0: So out of that I would like to invite my team to the stage for the Q&A. So
1: I, I, I got the microphone here so I can <laughs> no, no, I No, a question I mean, I mean when you present what you can do on, on productivity it's all uh, very compelling, but uh, my question is customers who do not buy what's the typical argument and is a general rule of thumb how short a payback time do you need to, uh, to, to convince a customer to, to invest?
0: Yeah, I can take it because it's for both for cement and mining. Of course, there is a group of companies working in cement and in mining who we don't see today as our customers. They are very much return on investment upfront related. They are not looking to the whole value chain. They are not looking for the whole productivity over the life cycle. That describes a little bit the uh, mix between what we call the mid-market, that is typical for these companies being in the mid-market versus the premium ones. We act only on the premium ones, in mining as well as in cement.
1: But, but, but I'm sure not all your premium customers buy all your solutions. So yes. E- even if, if, if you can offer them a 3% yield increase, why do they not buy? What's the, the, the reason?
0: Customer relation. Are we sitting close to them if they have an issue that we, are, uh, that we are directly connected with them? Historical reasons. We were, in some areas, quite weak. We were not present we have at first to build up the confidence that we that we deliver that what we say and that we are with them, and that's the evolution with the new structure. Thanks.
2: Hi, Marcus Almred from Kepler Shiva. A uh, couple of questions. First, on the three to four percent market growth in in the mining, what First, what is the demand uh, demand assumption behind that? Because I assume that part of that 3 to 4% is the fall in all grades and all that that should also make the market grow faster. So what's the demand assumption? And second, what has changed since we sat here in 2017 where you were expecting the market to grow faster than, than you do today? So what's the difference? That's so the first question.
3: Yeah, I can take this question. Um, to your first question, uh, what is, uh, uh, I mean, this um, 3 to 4%, I think uh, the assumption is, as you say, the, that the consumption of uh, minerals and metals is lower than 3 to 4% because the global GDP is dropping and, of course, uh, the global industry production is contracting. So this is the reason why we believe the commodity demand is lower, but you see a higher growth because of the, as you say, depleting ore grades and, and these kind of things. So this is the assumption based on a lot of studies that have been done, they have estimated that the average uh, increase in run of mine production, uh, run of mine ore production will be roughly four to five percent over the next few years. So this is uh, based on more on what is required to produce in the mines and we translate this, of course, into opportunities for our equipment. So this is not the commodity demand what we are forecasting here. Why is this lower? As I said before, of course, the outlook, honestly, because based on the global economy and all the other things, what you read every day has uh, you know uh, subdued the assumptions uh, for the industrial demand. And uh, this is, of course, also having an, infl- uh, an impact with the reluctance of the customer to invest. And, of course, this is... Um, Having an impact on the growth, that's why we see the growth uh, rates now a little bit lower than what we have seen it two or three years ago. Uh,
2: thank you. And then my second question is, is on service. So, so I assume that the mixed part of, of the mixed part is very important to get to the ten percent and then to, to to the high level. So, first of all, is are we seeing? I assume that we see the short term pressure on capital is, is driving demand for services. Uh, I assume that's the case. Uh, what, yeah, if you could just confirm that, is that the, one of the reasons why services grow faster is that not correlated? Yeah, <clears throat> I think what you what
4: you saw from Dn was that by localizing some of the service offers, we're able to capture more of, what you can say, smaller service jobs that we were not capturing before. So we believe that this whole regional structure we have created gets us closer to customers and enables us to capture more of the aftermarket business. Uh, but also what we see is when, uh, uh, when some of the big capital investments are not happening, then it's partly substituted with more, uh, with more service business. And when you're not getting new permits for, uh, for bigger mines, then, of course, you have to produce more in existing mines. And that is uh, captured to a very large extent in our service business. So what you saw from all the presentations is that service will grow faster than capital over time. And that is what you have in the mixed block in, uh, in the bridge to a higher profitability.
2: How much of your install base are you capturing today?
0: We have actually differences between mining and cement.
2: Yeah,
3: on well, the mining part, it really depends uh, from geography to geography. Um, I mean, um, globally, uh, we are covering approximately between uh, 30 and 40 percent. Cement?
0: Yeah, cement similar. Okay.
1: Yeah. Sylvie? Yeah, I yeah.
5: okay, Thank you. Thanks. A question regarding your midterm targets. Um, do you think that would be more kind of a straight line going uh, going forward or would be more back end loaded? Not to give guidance for 2020, obviously, but um, yeah, how should we think about this playing out in the order intake?
0: They, that is more back end loaded um, because. No, last can take that actually quite detailed voila.
4: yeah so I think what uh, if you really look at the me- medium term bridge what is going to take us there so f- the first thing was the mixed element where we we do see that we will get a higher share of uh, of service uh, already next year and then uh, in the following years I think the the message we tried to convey through all the presentation is that service will have an underlying growth year on year uh, and we'll make certain that dn gets it and all the other regional presence gets it so the, the assumption is that service have a, so like a, a growth throughout the period. So that's uh, the one big element. We know next year we will have a lower margin in the capital business, as uh, as, as we presented also in the quarter three. So next year you will have uh, what do you want to say um, d- uh, difficulties in the capital business in mining or lower margins. Uh, and once that's out of the backlog, then uh, that will of course give us a lift in profitability uh, in the year after. So uh, so that's. More or less the two elements in the bridge, and then of course you have growth on top of that. Where the more we grow in this period, the more operating leverage, and that gives you uh, another leg up. So, uh, so that's that's how we get there.
5: And that goes for both divisions, right?
4: Uh, That goes for both divisions. I think what you saw from uh, from from Jan was that the strategy in uh, in cement is really to. uh, to grow the aftermarket, go more into upgrades, <clears throat> and to offset what you can say, uh, maybe less projects in uh, in cement. So there, of course, the transition into more uh, service and aftermarket will, into more uh, upgrades, will take a little bit of more time before it can really uh, compensate for for maybe a declining uh, project revenue over the coming years.
5: But, but as now you're talking about revenue, but, but order intake next year, should you also see a, a dip uh, in the capital market? Is that what you're... I'm just trying to be sure we talk about order intake or revenue.
4: I'm talking about revenue. I'll mm-hmm. let uh, Jan talk about order intake. Um,
6: when it comes to, to order intake, we are not seeing uh, any bigger t- changes to the trends uh, that we have now. We will still focus... On all uh, four offering types uh, we will still uh, go after we have a, a healthy pipeline of projects but what we're saying is for the long term the gross part will come from, from upgrades products and, uh, and and service, that's what we're saying
5: And then just a final question regarding you know the execution issues we saw or you report about in Q3 is all of that behind us or is anything else we should be aware of uh, going into 2020?
3: No, there's two things. Uh, one of, of it was uh, the corrections, what we did to the backlog in quarter three, but also the corrections uh, we have made on the backlog, which will be executed in the future, in the f- next five to six quarters. And this is uh, the 120 million uh, impact, what we have said you will, what you will see in, in the future. So, um, we have um, reviewed and reassessed all the risks. The risks are under control, but unfortunately they have led to a lower profitability of the capital business, and to transfer this out will take uh, uh, four to six quarters.
5: Okay,
6: thanks. Just on networking capital considering you are guiding for a more service versus capital business that should have, a, in, I guess, a, a negative impact or the networking capitals to sales ratio should go up as a consequence? Is that how we should think on the medium-term target as well?
4: Uh, once we are successful in really making a, a dramatic shift from, uh, from capital... To service, <clears throat> it will of course have an a, what you say an upwards pressure on uh, on working capital, and the cash flow generation of the company will in general improve because uh, the, the higher profitability we have in uh, in service. So it will give a pressure up on it. Uh, I would also say, if you look into the next uh, year or so, there are some uh, some areas where we can definitely improve, irrespective of any any mix impact we have. So. As we talked about these delays on certain projects, is delaying the payments on these uh, on these projects. So, um, and some of our inventory, we can definitely convert from from some things that are not moving as fast into more fast moving uh, aftermarket inventory. So there is of course the mix effect, but there is also some things where we we still can work on internal things where we can improve.
6: So, networking capital to sales down in 2020 and then trending upwards afterwards. Is that how you think? Of it? <clears throat>
4: so then it will will basically follow what you can say the two industries the two segments. So if service goes up, that will come with high uh, high uh, working capital. Whereas capital will come with low uh, low working capital. So you will see a mixed impact. But um, there is quite a bit we can work on internally to improve it. Thank you.
2: Thank you, uh, Ed Perry from HSBC. Just a shorter-term question on mining. What negative impact do you expect from recent disruptions in Chile? Um, And also, what are you seeing in terms of gold? Are you seeing a pickup in exploration spending there?
0: I I Uh, take that with Chile. Uh, Chile is, of course, a heavy political impact. And it's actually not only in Chile. It's uh, some unrest in Peru, Bolivia. And uh, let's see how that develops. Um, The... um, We know that the governments are working with it. There is quite a lot, uh, especially around Chile, but it doesn't seem to slow down. Um, We have daily contact with our Chile colleagues. It's a big market for us and other suppliers and other peers too. There we only can observe. What we see up to now, the impact is very minor, but there is already an impact. And to be very specific what the impact is, it has actually nothing to do with the mine sites, it is simply that the people have problems to travel there, to go to work, to go to work and to come back from work. The um, public transport infrastructure is quite hit. That is the, the issue in, uh, uh, in Chile. We don't see anything similar in Peru or in Bolivia yet, but of course we observe. Then the other thing was regarding gold. Gold. That gold, when I hear gold, then I give it to Manfred. No, yeah. no, I would not say it like that. Uh, I mean only the theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: No, of course, uh, gold is a very exciting commodity because, as Dion was mentioning, with over $1,500 per ounce, uh, this is, of course, a very attractive uh, price at the moment. Uh, and as you're ha- alluding to, there is a lot of good gold recovery. It just has taken longer to transfer these projects again into supply orders to us. We are working with a number of gold miners, uh, junior miners or mid-tier miners to develop their projects, but they are facing a lot of issues in terms of access to cash but also access to licenses to operate. So, uh, again, the opportunities are there, quite strong,
2: but uh, it's not happening as quickly as we anticipated. Thank you. And then perhaps just one more on cement, if I may. Um, In terms of the strategy to be more selective on projects... Um, how contingent is this on steady underlying growth? And if we were to see a further turn in the market and a further increase in price pressure, would you step away from more projects and accept a decline in revenues, or would you turn back to perhaps having to accept slightly less profitable
6: ones? So, if we take the first part first, we we do not see a tendency that the, the project market is weakening. That, you, that was the first uh, part of the question. So. The, the, the product market is out there. Uh, what we said and what I said was that the products that are out there, we are selective. We go after the premium segment. We go after the part that is willing uh, to pay for the values that we add. And uh, and that selectivity uh, is is based on, let's say, checking the boxes, legal risks, commercial risks, uh, um, cash, and, of course, profitability. If we see we can tick these boxes, definitely... Projects is an important part of our future. What we said is that the primary growth will come from the three other pillars in our offering type, upgrade, service, and products. Um, yeah, that's how I see it.
7: Thank you. Uh, hello, it's uh, Robert from Morgan Stanley. Uh, just a couple of questions. One was just around the issue of um, project pushouts in mining. Um, how are you thinking about managing your cost base during that period? Is there a, a time where you just sort of sit tight and wait and say three months it's not going to be a big deal, six or 12 months we start to reduce headcount or um, potentially take out some capacity? So I guess just some of the sort of time frame and the flexibility on, on the cost side. And then the second one was just around, <clears throat> I guess, the digital theme. You mention it quite often, I guess, over the next sort of three to five years in, in light of your medium-term targets, what do you think your total outgoing spend is going to be in terms of investment in digital?
3: Okay, I take the first one on the project execution. Um, what we have, the majority of the people that we require for the project executions are actually sitting in the engineering. And there we have quite an agile system where we work with uh, a lot of third-party service providers. And with this uh, outsourcing of the engineering, we can... Manage part of the, uh, the fluctuations what we have in the industry. We have a team, a global team of core resources that we, of course, uh, maintain uh, over, the, over the cycle. So that's uh, how we are able to manage and, and uh, with this outsourcing model the fluctuations in the project business. And it's not requiring any big adjustments in our own employees.
4: Yeah. <clears throat> so on the, on the digital part what we, we the way we run digital is really that we have uh, what you'd say some of the costs uh, is fixed cost management cost that sits in the dna cost so you can you can see a lot of that is already in the run rate <clears throat> and then the money we spend on digital offerings and so on is part of our r& d spend where uh, Michael together with uh, Manfred and Jan will discuss how can we implement uh, the digital tools into our products and our offerings. So it's part of the overall R&D spend that we will manage according to how good are the, the ideas we have in and, uh, and what can we generate it from it. But it's really important that digital is not separate to the R&D bucket we have from, uh, for cement and mining. It is really an integrated card because we see that over time uh, these things uh, uh, work more and more together so whenever you make a product upgrade it contains quite a bit uh, element of digital but it has an upwards pressure on the sNA cost and some of that is already in the numbers and you will see a little bit more in in the coming years but we will of course try to offset it with other things so uh, so generally we would uh, we would say it 's part of the r &; d spend and we do not see any Dramatic increases from here uh, in the R&D spend, um, but of course, depending on what the opportunities we see, we will evaluate if if we'll continue with the level we have.
0: Maybe that as a as an additional thing, if it comes to um, R&D spend and digital spend, we do a lot directly together with customers. When we have a, a new project, if I take mining and then cement two. And uh, we normally don't nominate that as a big R&D project. We have it directly with the customer. It's actually sales, because we join forces, we do that together, and only a small part is then going into R&D spend. So we have actually significant more ongoing than you can read what we report under R&D and innovation. Why are we doing that? There are several reasons. Actually, it uh, decomplexes the whole way of working. Second, not one single customer would like to be known in um, the media and with their investor that they have for a big investment actually an R&D project. And I can be quite specific, if I may, with uh, Jan's business, the vertical roller mill, what we built. um, We had a sketch, or my guys had a sketch when they went over to the customer to say actually what we see is you should use... um, a significant bigger mill that makes absolutely sense. It's more sustainable, more productive, and the total cost of ownership is significantly lower. We can calculate that, and we can build that for you. And then we got the order. So a part of it was R and D, but the majority was sales. And of course, it works. That's not uh, really a need to mention. Or. Uh,
3: Michael Peterson, S. C. B. Uh, first question is on in terms of uh, mining. Uh, you had a, a quite significant decline in the capital orders this year. What's that going to do to your installed base, and doesn't that affect the service order intake going forward if you do not see a pickup within the capital orders? Yeah, we had a, a little bit of a lumpiness and a declining capital order intake, but these are really uh, bigger projects, and partly in uh material handling and other areas which are not generating such a big um, uh, aftermarket anyway. So the equipment supplies, which are primarily driving our spare part and wear part consumption, is still on a good level. So we don't see any big impact in the future from the fluctuations what we get from the larger project business to our aftermarket. Thank you. And my second question is now you provide us with this uh, nice bridge from 2019 until the near term what do we need to see to go from the uh, near term or mid term to the long term targets what is missing uh, there for you to generate between the 10 and 13% some margin
0: it is actually the same uh, the same areas of improvement what we have already up to the mid term targets uh, an improved product mix with more service share in it with more profitable product standard modularized products where we work heavily on that is always going a little bit uh, Um, not enough mentioned and the importance of that. So the mix is there. We have growth with new technologies, what we showed today, what we are doing, especially in mining with uh, tri stack tailings, ROL, and in cement with new technologies out for the sustainability to help customers to be CO2-neutral. And last but not least, we have potential to be more profitable with the products what we sell. The, The profitability in the different areas, And uh, to read, um, a yeah, uh, few quarters ago, we were always asked, you focus so much on your total cost ratio more than anyone else. There's an, the reason for that lies in the product mix. We know that we will have uh, less ambitious targets in big projects business in cement. And for that, we have to manage the cost base very actively. What we do quite well, I think, when we look into that we are quite uh, equal over several quarters now, no matter that growth is there. So we know if we get larger projects in, they are lower in profitability, and we have to counteract with that on leverage, cost leverage. And it's um, a mathematical thing to calculate how many projects we actually can take with lower profitability until it hits us really negatively on the bottom line, where we can't compensate with the leverage. That is exactly how we do it. We look into... How many projects of a size can we allow, and what is the minimum profitability, what we have to have? We generate with the big projects, yes, quite a, uh, quite a volume, but uh, the margin, and actually quite a lot of EBITDA, but the margin is, of course, then suffering, if that portion gets too much. There was.
1: Thank you. That's Arsene from Great Swiss. I um, just wanted to ask about the assumption on retaining the cost savings uh, in the 10% mid-term margin target. Would you like to take that? Yeah,
4: so in, in, the, in the mid-term target, um, what that's based on is basically not increasing the uh, SG&A cost based to a very large extent. Um, of course, when you look a little bit further out, uh, you saw as an example that we started uh, sales offices in certain geographies. So we will have upward pressure on uh, on sales costs to cover uh, the whole uh, the whole installed base. Um, so what we assume is that basically we can keep the sg costs as a percentage uh, quite low. And as we go into the next couple of years, when we deliver the uh, the growth rates that uh, that uh, cement and mining uh, is showing, uh, that we grow the SG&A costs. Much less than we grow the our top line. So a big element in the, in what you can say the long term card is, uh, is that we get operating leverage from from our cost base. Uh, so that's that's quite important. The other thing is, of course, also you see a mix impact between cement and mining, where our more profitable part of our business, mining, will grow faster than cement, and that gives us uh, a mix impact uh, between the two industries uh, over time because there is uh, the more profitable part grows faster than the less profitable part.
1: Thank you. And may I also check on the level of price impression in cement business, which you see given that two main European competitors are still loss-making?
6: I would say that, as, uh, as, as I said to the previous question, we do not see a bigger change in, uh, in behavior in the marketplace today. Uh, we see, let's uh, say, competition for the bigger jobs, for the smaller jobs, and and we meet uh, our group of uh, European competitors on most of the bids we do. Obviously, um, what we do is to try and get out early together with the customers, build a relationship in our region structure, and to have an advantage uh, when the projects, when the upgrades and so on come out. Um, but I would say we do not see a uh, higher pricing pressure right now than we have seen before.
1: Thank you very much. And my last question is around uh, the backlog margins uh, in minerals business, in mining business. I think in your statement you were saying that you've taken actions to ensure that expected margins will be more closely aligned with, uh, with delivered margins. Can you maybe give us some examples of what that actually means? Thank you very much.
3: Yeah, that means that uh, we have been over-optimistic in the efficiency in the project execution and that we will go into the new estimates with a more realistic cost base. That means that uh, you will not see any corrections in the cost base because we have started with a more realistic one. And and, uh, that is really why we are confident that the order we are booking in the future will have a a more stable contribution margin that we can generate.
1: And is it fair to conclude that you've reviewed all projects in the backlog? Yeah, that... uh, the
3: reassessment of the backlog—that is exactly what I mentioned before with where we have taken down roughly the expected or the expected backlog that has happened already, and that you will see in the mix going forward. And then the new ones, we will enter them into the backlog with a more realistic assumption, so that no corrections are needed.
1: Thank you very much.
5: A few questions from my It's klaus from Nordea. Coming back to this backlog issue, um, so you are saying that you were too optimistic. That was also the, uh, the message at Q3. Um, going forward, when you're receiving a same type of project, will you then accept a lower margin, or will you uh, price uh, these type of products with a premium versus you have done in the past? What does it really mean that you are more realistic in your assumptions?
3: No, we will not uh, take projects which uh, with a lower margin. The reason why we're making these corrections are different ones. It is a combination of internal efficiency issues, which we will fix with the new structure, and it's also a combination of making business with certain customers where it was very difficult to enforce our contract. And with our new approach with the contract and claim and risk management, we will also take care of this. So we are just more careful. We are operating in certain culture where... The claim management and pushing the customer for paying additional costs on projects has not been implemented. But with the hub structure, we will address this. We will not allow that people are providing extra services and extra time on projects without asking the customer for compensation. So it's a mix of things that will ensure that in the future we cannot ask the market to compensate for our internal inefficiencies. We will fix that, and then we can still live with the prices we are achieving in the market.
5: Okay, and then uh, my second question goes to this midterm term target for both divisions. What is the key risk for not achieving these targets?
0: Yeah, the key risk, of course, lies in the, in the overall business sentiment. That's clear. We think that um, we are well positioned. We have, uh, yeah, you can actually say, based on our regional weakness, from historical reasons, we have quite a good potential in front of us that no one can take away. We have it. We see that we are successful where we where we go actively close to the customer in relation. So what is the risk? The risk is, of course, uh, the macroeconomics. But we don't see that as a risk because it will hit each and every one. That's, that's then the environment where we have to act in. And um, we look quite a lot, area by area, um, how business develops, where we see political, like in Chile. I take Chile as, a US, uh, as an example, U.S., China, and so on. There are not only downsides, absolutely not. The news on the world market, if I may say so, is quite negative at the moment. When we go around, there's a lot of more positive talk.
5: Okay, so says no internal risk is all about macro, and, then you, and if that's okay, then you achieve the targets. Is that what I hear?
0: Uh, You know, um, since several years we work on uh, improving structure, KPIs, and so on, and we had one hit now, one hit in six, seven years, and we take care of that. We didn't like that, we take care of it, and it's then gone, and we take our hit and our learnings out of it, which is absolutely right. So when we look into internal efficiency, we have today a complete different setup of control versus that what we had years back. And Dion said it nicely, um, he has uh, two groups now sitting on him and controlling. Yes, um, I would not call it controlling, I would call it support, help, <laughs> enforcement, encouragement. So, And that helps a lot because we are acting in more than 100 countries. It helps if you look from two angles on everything what you do. And that will ensure that things are better monitored and earlier identified. For us, it's more important to look into how, is, how are the macro and the local, local economics developing. If we have, to, to be very frank here, if we have a big cement project undersigned in front of us, and then we have a political change in a country that has a huge impact on us, it can have the impact that we immediately get the order, or it takes another two, three years or it completely disappears. That is what we deal with if it comes to these uh, bigger projects. But if it comes to aftermarket, uh, overall product sales, that is more constant, and that floats as the others have it.
5: Okay, thanks.
7: Hi, it's uh, Robert from uh, Morgan Stanley again. Just a couple of follow-up questions. Um, the first one was, I think, just around m and and the portfolio. Um, There's obviously been a a fairly significant merger within the sort of downstream mining sector Um, recently. I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts on how, so far, the competitive dynamics have changed in discussions with customers and what your expectations are for the next few years. And are there any bits of your portfolio that you feel like you need to add to um, in, in the next sort of two to three years, is the first one. And then the other one was just around some of the environmental offerings you have around... Uh, rapid oxidative leaching or the tailings offerings and these kind of things. H- how are those discussions going with customers in an environment where we're talking about larger projects being pushed out? Is that a segment that's being disproportionately hit right now because of uh, cautiousness, or are people still willing uh, to spend on those uh, on those things?
0: Yeah, I take that M&A part,
7: um, and the rest you take.
0: <laughs> the, uh, we were very public uh, several years ago what we do with the money. Uh, first thing is we have to be capitalized properly. We are. Second thing is we pay dividend. We are. Third thing is organic growth. We do a lot. We do huge amount. The whole organization is up and running on that. And we think we are quite successful. We announce each quarter some landmark innovation, and there's significant more behind. So the fourth is then to have acquisitions. And we look for acquisitions. We did some. Uh, AUTEC, IMP, mining systems from, from Sandvik. We, we do that and we divest it, bulk material handling, for example. And why are we doing that? We look into m a as an opportunity to get additional business and or competence in the right time with the right reference. If we can't do that organically, then we look for, for M&A. So that's, that's the thing. We are completely open for it. If it comes to the consolidation in mining and so on, that's actually your area, if you would like to talk.
3: No, that's uh, not too much to talk about the consolidation. You talked about it, but I'm happy to talk about the uh, things, uh, what you mentioned about the ROL and especially the tailings, what interest we see here. I think um, I was in Brazil last week. Uh, you might have seen that uh, Vale came out and said, for example, about 10% of the tailings dam have a structural problem. So you see the urgency what these companies are having, and they're very eager to talk. A lot of these companies have not triggered the investment yet, but they're all under pressure. I think, as I mentioned, the ICMM had just a meeting uh, where they have asked 800 miners to each confirm the status of the tailing stamps. And if there's any issues, they need to report and, and, and so on and so forth. So there is a, quite a, a movement in the industry. Uh, it has not really shown up in the intake yet. But we are, as a front-runner, well-positioned, and we expect this to happen in the not-too-distant future.
7: And maybe just a follow-up on that. How, how do um, competitors' other technologies, so whether it's sort of pumping or dewatering or maybe slightly less efficient methods of uh, taking water up than you're offering that's significantly cheaper, are people making bigger traction on those types of orders right now because the spending is tight, or, or is that not the case?
3: No. I mean, uh, you might have seen Codelco, for example, just went out and said, okay, we're we're going to invest a billion dollars in a desalination plant in Chile to supply some of their mines and so on. So uh, they're all under pressure to find solutions for the water. Of course, the solutions are different. And we are working in a wide range, primarily in the tea watering of the tailings. And we are working with this. I mean, one of our main competitors buying filters from us because we are a leader in providing filters for a certain amount of red mud, and other materials. So we are there, um, and we are working with the customers, and and I think um, that's really where we will be positioned. But we are not saying that we have the solution for all the tailings problems.
0: But but maybe um, a little bit to open the books. Of course, everyone has a philosophy, and uh, one philosophy what we see in the market is to use the same filter technology simply faster, that, that it works faster to get the volume through, and we don't believe in that. We think that when you, uh, when you deal with these 200,000-ton plants, uh, it doesn't help if you have 20 or 30 filter filter presses standing there, because you need quite a lot of people to observe them and to work with it and to change the filter gloves. So we decided years back to, to go into large equipment, really large equipment, you saw one picture of the filter plate, which um, has then a filter cake size five by three meter. If if you see that, that is nine meter high and roughly, I think, seven meter wide, and you have hundred or hundred twenty plates in one unit. You can imagine this is a big unit. Actually, for us not, we we know these units, but the it is if you compared with normal what you what you see on industrial plants, it's quite a big unit. Because we believe if you have three, four, five of these filters fully automatic in the change with the filter cloths, with everything, this is significantly easier to maintain and to handle and to operate for the customer. And we talked with customers. We found not one customer who told us come with small equipment in a big amount. They all don't like that. They would like to have big single equipment and that's it. And you see that in grinding, the big sack mills, they don't want to have five small segments, they want to have one or two big ones. That's typical the movement in the, in the mining industry. And to give a little bit from a timing, we actually proceeded quite well in the last two years. The, there was a study out, and I have to remind us in it, no matter how important that is with the tailing stems and sustainability, mining needs 30 years that 50% of the miners are using a new technology. And we are, after two, three years, already talking, a little bit longer from the announcement, that we have pilot plants. I never saw in more than 30 years of my time in the mining industry that fast movement. For other industries, this is very slow. I agree, especially when I look to digital and telecommunication. But this is mining. The cycle takes 10 years. And we are well positioned for that. And we are... Don't believe that they sit in a single dark room and do something and then they call us. We are part of that. We are with them. We test with them. We work with them. We use their sites. We use their people too to help us to have the right product. And they help us or ask us how to do things better. There is a huge potential. And then I stop. Most of the technology, what you see today out in the industry, in mining and partly in cement. Actually, cement is better than mining. If you take a jaw crusher, what you still see all over the world, this is a patent from 1850. 1850. In these days, the ore content was, I don't know, copper, 8%, 9%. We now talk about an ore content in average of 0.4%. I have to dig out 99.6% to get the copper. If you have younger kids and uh, they are a little bit sustainable-related, tell them that. They look to you, what are you doing? So, and we have to come with new technologies. ROL is a step to take care of the tailings is a step. We are well-positioned, we have a good mood, we have a good competence in the company, and we have one thing which is very important. We have a very good link to our customers in it. And we are seen as an innovation driver in the industry. So um, I was just, of course, by my group, CFO, informed that we are actually over the time. Is there any last question? Don't see. Thanks a lot.
1: Oh, there is one. Yeah, hi, Magnus here with, with UBS again. Um, sorry to push this point a little bit, but, I mean, if you look at the three different buckets you aim to, or levers you aim to pull to, to get to your new midterm margin target, I, I think no... None of them was really a surprise. But but what would help us a little bit to to track this over time would be how much you expect from each.
0: That would definitely help. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I could say yes, but uh, I don't think that would be enough as an answer.
4: Um, <clears throat> as I heard, about, what was the building blocks that would give us to the, to the, to the midpoint of the guidance? Sorry, so the mid- medium-term uh, medium targets. Um, and there I just have to say we, we cannot be exactly specific on these because one of them is operating leverage, and as we don't know what the total revenue will be in the medium term, then that's a little bit difficult. Um, we do see that, uh, that service will be a growing part of our business. So you will see that in every single quarterly announcement we come with, what is the order intake in service, and that is the one biggest driver we have for, for getting there. Uh, and, of course, we will continue to report on what is the progress on, on the backlog execution from, from mining, which is another big lever. So uh, so we will report on these, and operating leverage really comes with the revenue, so you can more or less also, uh, what you can say, follow that on a, on a quarterly basis. But these are, of course, uh, uh, not parameters that are 100% in our control, but these are the driving forces for the medium-term guidance or targets.
0: Targets, yeah. So, I don't see any other hand signal. Then I would like to close the session. I really urge you to go to the booth, if you didn't, to look into it. We choose voluntarily on that capital market day not to go very much into technology of single products and so on what we we have, only a little bit in digital. But we have these booths, and it's quite amazing and quite interesting what is possible with the connection of digital with competence in cement and in mining. No matter how much you look into it, we thank you all that you took the time to come here and to be with us for quite a long time and to listen to all the slides and all the information. And thanks a lot for um, having a safe trip home too. So, see you soon. Thank you.